The Radiant Podcast is a proud member of the Converge Podcast Network. And I want to give a quick shout out to our underwriting ministry partner, First 15. To get deeper into God's Word today, visit first15.org forward slash converge. Now on to today's show. Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have my friend Nicole Sazowski joining us. Now, I don't know about you, but it's starting to feel a little bit crazy out there, and it's easy to let anxiety and fear creep in. So today, I think you're going to love Nicole's message. She asks, are you clinging to the belief that peace and joy can only be found on the other side of whatever you're facing in this season? Guys, we go through that question this entire episode. We talk about navigating anxiety, what it feels like when you're robbed of your peace. And I think it's a really timely conversation for what's going on right now. So I'm so excited to bring this conversation to your ears, to be right there alongside you in this season and just know we get it. So without further ado, let's dive in. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Hi, how are you? So good. I am so excited to have you on today. I, especially my my listeners know, I love therapy. So I'm so excited that you are a marriage and family therapist. I mean, therapy is a big line item in our budget. (laughs) My listeners hear us talk about it all the time. So I'm just so excited to have you on, to hear your story. I would love for you to start by introducing yourself, telling us what you do and what you're working on these days. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And therapy is a big line item in my budget too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I am a I'm Nicole Zazowski. I am a marriage and family therapist, and I also do some writing. Have a book coming out in two weeks from this conversation. There will be a book hitting shelves, and my therapy work mostly happens in the private practice I have in Greenwich, Connecticut. It also takes me to. Uh, an organization called the Hideaway Experience about four times a year, which is a marriage intensive ministry. Um, And so for four days, I work with five couples to do a marriage intensive over the course of those four days. So uh, I'm also a wife and mom, love those roles. And yeah, that, that pretty much fills my time, man. Well, I would love for you to share, you know, what led you to get into marriage and family therapy and kind of how that has kind of segued into your writing career and kind of spreading that message farther than like the work you can do in a concentrated location in your, in your community. I think, you know, as a, as a college student and even before that growing up, I've always really enjoyed hearing people's stories and hearing about the turning points in people's lives and the way that God has moved through maybe things that, uh, you didn't plan or wouldn't have written for yourself. 
And I've always loved, I'm an old soul. So I've always loved, you know, deep conversation and and connecting one-on-one with people and believe that relationships are, um, you know, really the building blocks, um, and, and the greatest gifts we have in this life. And so, uh, the privilege I have of investing in those was a passion of mine early on. And so, I decided I wanted to do this my sophomore year uh, of college while I was studying abroad in Germany. And I was kind of naturally always having these deep conversations uh, with, I lived with 50 other college students in one house. So you can imagine all the different (laughs) conversations you might have during that year. Um, And it just so happened that the faculty family that was staying with us was the head of the psychology department um, at the time. And to this day, she swears she's never done this before and hasn't since. But for some reason, and I'm so grateful, she took me out to coffee and just said, are you sure you don't want to be a therapist? And it was like the lights came on on my calling. And I had a lot of confusion on that before. But as anything is, you know, it's a long journey. It Just because the lights came on in that moment, doesn't mean it was all easy and fine from there. Um, Lots of school, lots of, you know, questioning and wondering, but I do love the work and fell in love with getting to be a counselor and enter into people's lives in that way. But what I didn't realize is that while I was so passionate about helping people find peace and joy outside of circumstance, I was personally missing out on that peace and joy. I was not aware that I was not living in that freedom that I was so passionate about helping others find until I confronted my own painful story. Wow. So in your bio, I read, you know, you're doing this work, you're helping your clients grow in emotional freedom And then what did it take for you to realize that you were living outside of that freedom yourself? At the time I became a therapist, I was living this self-constructed, I describe it as a self-constructed life, like the good life that I had made with my own two hands and just sort of believed that if I worked hard enough, I could basically live the life that I wanted. And uh, I was very performance oriented. I, I, Um, place my value and sense of security in uh, being perfect and performing well and winning other people over. And that was by no means a life of freedom, but it was sneaky and uh, awarded me a lot of the things that I thought I wanted. And it wasn't until I confronted a season of loss that included, you know, a transition across the country, major job transition. Um, I had to leave a job that I really loved. And that was really painful for me. Five miscarriages and a diagnosis that makes that more likely in the future. And that was extraordinarily painful. But (laughs) what those events did was it took my hands off of that performance, that perfectionism, the things in my life that would ultimately destroy me or keeping me from freedom and gave me empty hands uh, to receive something that's more sure and an enduring hope. So as much as 
It was a story I would have never been brave enough to choose for myself. God definitely used it to transform my heart and draw me closer to him. And there is a totally different understanding of who God is and a totally different relationship between the two of us than I had before. I totally echo that. I I feel like this has been a pretty the past year, year and a half have been pretty deeply painful in my own personal life. And yes. one thing, yes, and, and thank you for sharing your story. I am so sorry for the, the loss and the pain you've navigated. But one thing I love that you wrote was on the far side of pain that we don't prefer, we find transformation we would not trade. And I Love that because I find that to be very true for my life. Now, for someone who's listening who is like, what? I'm in the trenches. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not. I would trade this at a heartbeat. What would you say to them? And how do you encourage someone to get through that? I mean, you truly are the expert here as a therapist. Oh, goodness. I don't know about that. But uh, (laughs) I think I would say, and and it's so tough because everybody's story is different. And I want to honor that my pain might not look the same as, you know, all listeners pain. But I think for me, inviting God into the feelings I have, instead of trying to have the perfect feelings for God in the, in the trenches where I could not see what the point was. Um, and to be honest, I, I still can't in a lot of ways. Like I, I have experienced personal transformation. I have experienced a deeper intimacy with God and other people in my community, but I, it's not like I understand why that had to happen or that I think God is the author of our suffering. I definitely do not, but I do know that he loves us too much to waste it and he is going to use it for our own growth and for his glory. And if you aren't there yet, that's okay. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with you if you can't see it in this moment that the only way through is to be honest about what hurts. We we can't go anywhere until we're there. And I think for a long time, I tried to sugarcoat my pain or try and perform my way out of it by being really mature about it and pretending like I was okay. And that's just walking around it. That's not going through it. And so I think it sounds simple and trite, but I think being honest about what hurts is the first step to breakthrough. Well, I just was taking notes because I love what you said. And I I totally agree. God isn't the author of our suffering, but he's not going to waste it. Like that's good and encouraging for me. And I think helps reconcile that place where theologically, I, I I agree, I do not think God is the author of our suffering. I don't really be, uh, subscribe to the belief that like God caused this pain for me to learn. But I love that really helps me reconcile with my beliefs about who is the author of that pain and who's the author of freedom and hope and joy, God. But he's not going to waste something that was meant for our harm. He really is going to turn it for our good. And so I think that's actually really helpful and really practical For someone who's listening and prone to even subconsciously power through, think they're doing fine, act like everything's okay, like they might not even be consciously aware 
that mm-hmm. they're suffering or living outside of freedom? What would be some questions we could ask ourselves or some steps we could take to kind of assess how are we doing? Am I detached from any pain I'm navigating in my life? I mean, I'm as detached as they come. I'm working <laughs> on it. So <laughs> what would you say to our listeners who maybe not be able to consciously identify they're not living in the fullest potential state? Yeah, that was definitely me in chapter one. <laughs> um, <laughs> And what I realized is, you know, I used to think that the enemy attacked us or, or kind of came in by making us miserable. But what I've realized is that one of the ways he works in our life is to make us comfortable without Christ. Um, and so it can be so hard to identify uh, when we are kind of living in this very protected way of living, especially since our culture celebrates a lot of the things that we like to do, like performance and perfectionism and control, you know, and a lot of those things we use to numb like Netflix or shopping or sleeping, you know, might be culturally acceptable, but emotionally harmful. And I think what we have to do is ask ourselves the question, am I doing this from a place of pain or am I doing this from a place of peace? Because there is absolutely nothing wrong with me working hard. God gave me gifts to use. He gave me a mission to pursue and a calling to pursue. Those are good things. But if I am pursuing that calling from a place of pain and for my value, instead of from the security that God loves me and has called me, those are two very different things. And so I think asking yourself, am I doing this for my value or am I able to do this from my value? Am I doing it from a place of pain or a place of peace are kind of good diagnostic questions. That's actually very helpful and practical advice and affirming to me because that's where I can start to identify, oh, I'm not choosing these actions from the best place. So for me, I, I travel for my job. I love to travel for fun, but then there was a year, the year I really started like, Oh, I need a therapist (laughs) Um, was like, Oh, I'm literally escaping every type of pain in my life by just booking a flight. And so I made myself stay home for a year and say, you know what? I can't escape this pain. It's brutal. But like for me, booking a flight, going somewhere for that week, having like the six weeks leading up to it to like get excited about it, dream about it, walk through it mentally every day, plan for it. That is a very big distraction from pain and something I regularly use as a coping method. And so I can now tell, am I like booking all, this is a busy year. Is this a busy year because I'm like running from something and want to just have a lot of fun things on the calendar, but can justify it for work? Like, oh, I got to land that client. I got to go to that workshop, whatever. Or is this truly from a healthy place? And, And that it's the same action at the end of the day, but why I'm carrying out that action. It's very different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) Very well said. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now a message from a network supporter. Do you deal with stress and anxiety throughout your day? Do you find your 
not every day you have to replace a water heater, more like every 10 years. The Home Depot can help with a wide selection of the latest models from Rheem and a helpful online water heater buying guide to help make choosing the right Rheem easy. From gas to electric, tankless, even smart models that can spot a leak before it happens. Water heaters have come a long way. You don't have to. Go to homedepot.com to find the latest Rheem water heaters and helpful answers and advice from our water heater buying guide. Only from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Yourself ...on your phone constantly. Maybe that's the first thing you do when you wake up. Well, I've got something for you that's going to be an investment of your time that pays off way better than the scroll. I promise you that. Here's the deal. I'm going to challenge you, and me too, guys, to stop checking social media first thing and instead pop open the Abide app to ease your mind. It's the best way to start the day and something I've personally been implementing in my life. And for a limited time, our listeners will get 25% off a premium subscription when you visit abide.co slash radiant. Abide's meditations start at just two minutes long. They're easy to fit into your schedule and feature topics like overcoming anxiety, managing stress, addiction, recovery, finding forgiveness, and more. Guys, anxiety has been a long time friend of mine. And this year I'm committed to taking tangible steps towards freedom. If you're like me and you want to take tangible steps towards your freedom, get started now with 25% off a premium subscription by downloading the Abide app at abide.co slash radiant. You'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. Support this show and get 25% off by going to abide.co slash radiant. That's A-B-I-D-E dot C-O slash radiant to download the Abide app and get 25% off your premium subscription. What are some of the main coping mechanisms you see for people who really are in pain and out of touch with that pain and maybe something they could recognize in their own life? Yeah, such a good question. I use a model in my therapy practice called restoration therapy. And it basically says that we all have, you know, different things that we feel when we experience a painful situation, depending on our stories. And then in turn, we have um, ways of reacting or coping to that pain that's totally understandable, but not very helpful. And there are four main categories for those reactions or ways, you know, defenses, ways that we try and protect ourselves from pain. Um, And the first is blame, getting really angry, you know, raging. We can even, you know, withdraw to punish someone like the silent treatment. The second is shame. So, Sometimes we think of this as a feeling in our culture, but um, it's actually also something that we do to ourselves. So, you know, agreeing with shaming messages that are easy for us to internalize and kind of turning on ourselves and attacking ourselves, being unable to receive any kind of compliment because we're so committed to this negative narrative about who we are. And then the third one is control. And this has a lot of different faces. It's a sneaky one because they're very culturally celebrated in the American culture. So uh, performance, perfectionism, micromanaging, you know, basically buying into the belief that there is nothing I cannot do to feel uh, valued and safe, you know, outworking everybody else. Um, And then the last one is called escape. And that has a lot of different faces as well. 
but you know, anything we do to numb or mentally check out. So Netflix, drinking, drugging, shopping, sleeping, you know, anything like that. Well, I definitely um, tend to lean towards a, an assortment of those that you just listed, um, but I've, I've been working towards healthy coping mechanisms in the last few years. So when someone identifies these kind of behaviors, like, oh, okay, I, I definitely, you know, take those routes. One of those is my route of choice at any given moment when I'm in pain. How do you help someone get unstuck? And what's your recommendation? Like, where does someone start? Because I think we certainly have those listeners of like, okay, ding, ding, ding. I have a few of those. Where do uh-huh. I start? <laughs> Everybody does something. So you're not alone. We, we all do something. So It's a multi-step process, but the first thing is to realize that those behaviors don't happen in a vacuum. They are always rooted in pain. So when I see myself engaging in my personal list of those behaviors, it's a clue to me that I am either feeling something about my identity or my sense of emotional safety. Um, And so the first step would be, what is that feeling? What's the root there? Because I think the temptation when we see those behaviors in our life is to be like, well, I'll just stop doing that and do something else instead. But self-control can only carry us so far. Uh, We have to go to the root. Otherwise, that weed is going to just keep popping up. It's sort of like if I told you to weed the garden and I gave you a pair of scissors. (laughs) Like you, You may not see the weed for a few days, but it will come back. Um, And so... We cannot change what we will not name. And so being able to name that specific pain, like for me, um, one of my big ones is inadequate. Like when I experience a painful situation, 90% of the time I'm going to feel some form of not good enough or inadequate. And so then the real work is being able to change that narrative. And that's a long, that's the bulk of the the therapeutic process is taking an empowered position and being able to speak truth to that lie. It doesn't mean I'm not going to feel inadequate. I can't eradicate feelings, but there's a huge difference between feeling inadequate and being inadequate. When I'm able to take an empowered position and say, yeah, that was disappointing. That is how I'm feeling. But this is what I know to be true about who I am. And I'm going to claim that and act on that instead of reacting to the feeling. That's good. Yep. These are currently the uh, things I'm trying to put into place. I just did. um, You might have the proper term for it with our our therapist that my husband and I go to together, the wheel of like triggers and reactions and triggers and reactions. And so I'm like, oh, wow. And I, it's, it's yeah. fascinating to see like, oh, I'm feeling this way. And this is my normal negative reaction. But I would love to replace that with a positive reaction that like reinforces the truth mm-hmm. of what the lie I'm believing is to begin with. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Oh man, I could talk to you all day long. So I would love to hear what was your process of moving towards freedom like and just based on the clients you see or patients or I <laughs> I don't I don't know the proper therapy term, but based oh, on the clients okay. you see, what is the average time it takes for someone to really start seeing breakthrough because I think people listening and myself included can sometimes 
hope we can have a quick fix, but at least in my experience, I've found it to be a lengthy process, but worthwhile and worth it. Oh yeah. It's definitely worthy work, but you know, change is hard. It's hard for me. I seem to be the therapist that insists on learning everything the hard way herself. So (laughs) I get that, that change is hard and uh, it requires a ton of practice and we have to, you know, decide that we want to do that practice you know, practice the peace that we long to have, it, it's going to range. This is going to be a frustrating answer to your question, but the timeline will definitely range depending on, you know, how ready we are for change, how, um, how significant the situation is in terms of, you know, level of pain, how long it's been going on. But I will say, if I can put in a shameless plug for therapists, everywhere (laughs) is we often tend to not make the investment until it's pretty bad. And I'm making a huge general generalization here, but if we could change that stigma and see it as more of a maintenance thing, like going to the dentist or, you know, having our yearly physical or things like that, the progress is a lot smoother and swifter. Not that you can't have massive breakthrough in crisis, but there's usually a lot more to dig through because we have, you know, we either think there's something wrong with us if we go to counseling or that it's, you know, too costly. But something I say to myself when I start thinking about those things is actually, I can't afford not to go. (laughs) Um, And this is too important for my growth and for my own development. And you know what? I'm not a person who believes you have to be in therapy always forever. Um, But there might be seasons like I think I'm entering another season where it might be good to go back and work through some stuff that's emerged in the last few years that's showing me more of myself that that might need to um, be addressed. And so, you know, I think it's I am by no means all fixed up and fine. And I think knowing that it's a a lifelong journey of growth can get you more comfortable with the idea of, you know, taking that journey with somebody else and somebody who can see from the outside a different perspective. Yeah. And I think something that for me has helped just kind of destigmatize the therapy process. And this is going to sound as Enneagram seven as it comes, but I, I'm like, if I can live with as much fullness, freedom, joy, and the least amount of pain on the early end of life and like deal with some stuff, you know, put the pedal to the metal on the front end and just like weed out things that are causing me consistent pain, then like, let's just deal with it. And there's more fullness and joy on the other side. And it might not be fun for a few years, but better to do it now than later. (laughs) Absolutely. And so for me, that's like an incentive of like, okay, if in my thirties I can do some significant work, that means God willing, I live into my eighties. That means like 40, 50 years of freedom. And I'm sure there's things that will come up along the way that I need to work through. But if I work through what I know my pain points are like, let's just knock it out. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So time. Yeah. I, um, that might not be a traditional opinion about therapy, but it's mine and it's worked. I love, I love therapy and I am a big advocate for living in as much freedom as possible. So as you've kind of worked through this in your own journey and then in turn 
written about it. What was the writing process like as you had to take everything you learned and write it in a way that's applicable for others? Was that like another level of having to work through this stuff? Yes. The the short answer is yes. I think anytime you write something, I don't know if this has been true for you in your own writing, but I think God gives you an opportunity to practice what you write. And I'll just be real vulnerable here. I mean, I think even I'm in the merging lane of this book being out in the world and hits shelves in two weeks. And I I just laugh because I read through my book and think, okay, this is another opportunity (laughs) to practice what, you know, where am I going to put my value and, you know, where, where is the real, where is my, where am I putting my hope? Is it in the gift or is it in the giver of all gifts? Um, and so in, in God's sense of humor, he's giving me an opportunity to, to practice the things that um, I preached in the book uh, that I know work and I am confident they'll, they'll work for others too. But um, I'm on this journey with my reader, which is a special thing. Well, I am just thankful you've written this and thankful you've come on the Radiant Podcast to have this conversation because I, again, I love the line you wrote on the far side of pain that we don't prefer. We find transformation we would not trade. And so for me, I find that to be true time and time again. And it's it's not fun to go through these really hard seasons. Um, It's deeply painful, but I like who I'm becoming when I face that and deal with it and handle it. And there's a joy and a fullness that, you know, I am thankful to have on the other side and in a security that even amidst pain, God is with me. Um, and so mm-hmm. that, that security I would never trade because God's really shown up for me in some dark seasons. So um, I'm just so thankful that you've joined us today. Where can everyone find you? Where can everyone grab a copy of this? Um, and I don't know if you do, um, Skype sessions, but even if someone would want to come to one of your retreats that you do four times a year, where can people just be connected with all things Nicole? Oh, you're so sweet. And before I answer that, thanks for having me. And you're very good at what you do. And I'm just so excited for everything that's happening in your life and the way that God is using you as well. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but uh, you would love, uh, I would love to connect with you at my website. That is www.nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E-Z-A-S-O-W-S-K-I.com, NicoleZazowski.com. And I'm the same place, Instagram. So just at NicoleZazowski. Love connecting with people there as well. Would love to see you at the Hideaway Experience. And that, uh, just a plug for that, that is for couples ranging from, you know, we just want to learn more about our relationship and how we can improve to, you know, couples in crisis. There's a whole range there. So it's definitely for you if you're if you're questioning who it's for. That you can go to um, intensives.com to find out more information about that. Well, so cool. Guys, y'all are going to have to grab a copy of From Lost to Found. And you can get that anywhere books are sold. And guys, 
keep up with Nicole, everything she's doing. Speaking to me, I want to go to the hideaway. Um, <laughs> oh, one last fun question. Yes. How reflective of Greenwich, Greenwich, Connecticut is when life gives you Lululemons? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I am not overly familiar with that, but uh, I'm going to guess pretty pretty reflective. <laughs> it was one of my, I don't read a ton of like chick lit, but I have, I have realized that I love like snarky, sarcastic uh-huh. chick lit reads, especially at the beach where I'm like cracking up all the way through it. And I just love learning about these little microcosms, even if they're exaggerated. And it was so fascinating. I was like, oh, I feel like I got a little glimpse into Greenwich. Is that even how I say it? I think that's how I say it. Oh no, you're saying it. You're saying it perfectly. Um, you know, it on on the surface, I'm sure it's quite accurate. I will also say some of the most sincere, lovely, faithful people I have ever encountered in my whole life uh, live in this place. So um, it's definitely a place where summer and lunch are verbs. Um, <laughs> but my goodness, to see God move here is also a really special thing. Um, there's, there's some really special people here. Oh, that's cool. Well, I, I, I figured that could only be an exaggeration of just funny stereotypes, but Hysterical. I loved the book. It was so funny, but I, you know, back to what you do guys, you've got to grab from lost to found and Nicole. Thank you for joining me today because this has been such a, uh, a fun and insightful conversation for me and I'm sure for our listeners. So thank you for sharing your time with us today in the midst of what I would assume is a big book launch season. Thanks so much for having me, Kelsey. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep. That sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.